Hello, welcome to tonight's uh, podcast. You'll hear the topic in a second. It's about food and tech and all this fun stuff. Gotta apologize off the bat for not having one a couple weeks ago. We had some tech problems, but as you can see from this, it's all been fixed. I hope you guys enjoy and uh, let's get going. Hello, welcome to tonight's podcast. Tonight's topic, why should you introduce tech and food to your table slash game? So, uh, we got a, another odd combo uh, from our voting this week, so we got some interesting topics to cover. I'm joined by Lions, Lions, sorry, Lawrence, uh, and Ironball tonight, um, and we're just going to be going through it and getting everything good to go. Um, yeah, let's, let's push <clears throat> on. So, what do you guys think this topic is going to be about? Before before we get too crazy, what what do you imagine us talking about tonight? Oh, man. I don't even know. So, what, go ahead, Lawrence. I didn't know if you meant in game or on the table. Haha, that's why I put both words. Um, so, we're going to talk a little bit about both. Um, basically, we're going to go over four situations for adding stuff to places and things uh, and why it's good, bad, ugly, your guys' experiences with it, <clears throat> so on and so forth. So, we're going to start with. How is adding food to your games important? Um, I'm going to start with the story, right, of a bard. Uh, and this is one of my favorite uses of bard I've ever seen, right? Uh, this bard, I don't remember the name because I'm terrible with names, uh, was played by our friend Mock. And uh, Mock's bard was a chef. He took the chef, he did everything he did. His art was food. So food become a very important part to our uh, story across the board. Uh, every time he was doing an inspiration, he threw out a taco or a sandwich or some kind of dish that we made. Anytime it was like a big inspirational thing that he did, he was making really good food and giving it out. Um, you know, the bardic ability where it allows you to give off all your unused uh, inspiration points were just leftovers. Uh, and when you need it, when you needed in combat to kind of take a take a break for a second, you just munch munch and get an extra hua cha to your attacks. Um, now there's all kinds of already built in. I shouldn't say all kinds. There's like two charts at this point, as, at least in D and D, and we'll talk about other TTRPGs with this in mind in a second. Uh, that cover like brewing stuff, um, that aren't necessarily potions, uh, like drinks and things. Uh, and you know it's, there's suggestions and whatnot about. Uh, adding interesting foods to your characters uh, and focusing on that. But I would say take a session, one of your sessions, uh, whether it's prep or just middle of the game, and learn your character's favorite foods. Not only because then you are building backstories for your characters, uh, you're also giving them something to uh, aspire to find. I mean, you go to a town, space station, wherever you're at, whatever system you're playing in, and you're like, well, I love mushroom soup. You can go and find mushroom soup, and it'll allow your GM or DM to describe really good mushroom soup, really bad mushroom soup, uh, them not having it, and allowing you to have some kind of confrontation with uh, other people around you in a playful manner. Uh, you know, I mean, I assume most characters aren't going to go to fisticuffs over not having the soup that you like, but maybe that's how your character plays, and it can be something funny that happens in every town. Because they never have the soup, man. Um... <laughs> But adding the food style things to the games can also be beneficial to adding stats to your character, right? Having a good meal beforehand might give you advantage on your first roll. 
being super hungry might have a disadvantage, or eating just terrible food all the time drags on in morale. Uh, there's plenty of systems that have uh, morale-based systems that kind of are like, you know, you could go insane. Having good food stops some of those. Um, or it could. I mean, again, it depends on how you're brewing it and what you're, what you're going over. Um, food itself is a wonderful descriptor and allows characters to tell how improvised an area can be without being overtly like they look really poor. If you go into a ca uh, tavern and they have almost no food but just enough to serve their customers uh, and it's very expensive and things like that and the quality isn't great, uh, you know, you're probably in a relatively rough uh, town. Whereas if you go into some place and the food is lavish and plentiful and there's fresh food and fruits everywhere and everyone is happy, you know you're in a good area. Um, at least from a narrative's perspective. So adding those little details about food to your games are going to be uh, important, to say the least. Uh, and if you just want to add a little extra dimension, a little background details to help story tell just a little bit better. Now I'm going to jump to these two. Um, starting with Lawrence. Lawrence, uh, what is what is your current character's favorite food in whatever game you're playing? Hmm. I hadn't actually thought about it, but uh, it's got a royal background, so probably something... A little um, Yeah, probably something a little bougie. Um, let's say when we uh, were... Um, getting a ship to cross to the other continent and there was that huge spread in front of uh the characters we didn't really react that much so i'm thinking hmm, maybe something rare and like finely crafted by uh chefs or something um hmm. okay well if you don't have an idea of it that's okay you can come back to it I'll ask you again at the end of this, and you can try and give me an answer then. Right on. All right, jumping over to Iron. Iron, I'm going to ask you the same question. Um, I'll go with Rhett, because that's the only character I'm playing right now. I'm going to say his favorite food is buffalo wings. Buffalo wings. Oh, I will note that for later. Uh, now, now, now i got to ask follow-up questions. Why are buffalo wings his favorite? Is there a reason why buffalo wings are the top thing that if he can get them, he's a happy boy? Um, well, I'm, I'm okay. So honestly, partly it's because they're like my favorite food, but also like they're they're basic and easy. And Rhett's, you know, he's a pretty easy guy, but um, uh, he's also pretty spicy. So mm. I think uh, I think he's a guy that would like some nice hot wings. Okay, all right, I like that. Hey, you know, having character relations that relate to you on a personal level at some uh, form and fashion, always a great idea. Um, For sure. So, uh, jumping on the opposite side, what is a food Barry would never eat? Hmm. Um. Hmm. Gruel, I imagine. <laughs> Gruel, okay. You know what? That's totally fair. What about what about you, Rhett? Is there any food that uh, Rhett would not eat? Um, I think Rhett would not eat bugs. No, no bugs, huh? Not a not a no, locust fan. I, okay. I think his his uh his relationship with Stinger has made him a little bit more sympathetic towards the the creepy crawlies. I don't think he would eat bugs. Really? Okay, that's interesting. Because I 100% guarantee Stinger would eat bugs, but, you know, it is what it is there. 
Uh, for sure. <laughs> okay. So, uh, one more question for the both of you really quick. Um, in, in notes to foods and games, um, do you guys have any stories with other characters that you played that have messed with food very much? Is it something that you want to see in the future? Now that it's been brought up, is it interesting to you, you think? Um, Go ahead, well, one of my players, I guess you could call it food, um, used food as a way to display an aspect of his character. He um, used speak with animals as a warlock to lure um, moles into a trapped corridor that had uh, flames come out of the walls. And after they had set off the trap and they were thoroughly scorched, he grabbed one up and crunched down on it in front of the other players as to, like, show that he was unhinged. <laughs> okay, that's an interesting use of food. Uh, though that's more like barbarity, but uh, whatever. Iron, what about you? Do you have a, a character that has a, uh, any interesting stories to relate to food? So I'm actually kind of bummed that you didn't give me the food bard idea when we were building Rhett because I would have hundred percent have done that. That's awesome. <laughs> well, but as as you know, uh, Mock is the infamously always missing dragon rider. Oh, okay, so gotcha. Would be ripping off his character directly. No, oh, well, that's all right. <laughs> um, I have not done so. I'm a big food guy, like in real life. Um. And I actually, when we were going through, I don't remember what we were fighting, um, but like I, I was pretty sure we were all going to die. So I made some backup characters. And my first backup character is a Goliath cleric that is like all food. Like all of his spells are food magic. Like he has like Heroes Feast and like, so he's a completely food centric character. So if, if Rhett ever kicks the bucket, I, I will finally use a food character. Um, okay, cool. That's that'll that'll be interesting. A food cleric, so has some kind of gluttony god or just like god of cooking as his patron. Yeah, he actually pulled one of the actual Goliath gods, and I oh. can't remember which one it was. Um, yeah, I wrote him a whole backstory about him being banished from his tribe, and yeah, nice, nice. Okay, so uh, running back to Lawrence. Lawrence, did you think of a favorite food, or shall we move on to the next topic? Actually, yeah, uh, cordon bleu, because you'd have to be in an area that had chickens and pigs and cheese, so you'd have to have access to all the the farm stuff in the area and a chef who was able to make it. There you go. All right, all right, all right. The fancy hot pocket, huh? The solid choice. Uh, (laughs) I thought you might go with beef wellington, because that's like Gordon Ramsay's thing. He's super fancy. (laughs) So much work, though. It's a lot. So, um, now jumping outside the table. Now we've covered this before in previous podcasts, like eating foods and bringing foods to tables and stuff like that. Um, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on how do you bring up bringing food to someone else's house if you are going to their house? Do you have any rules? Rules for? Actually, we'll ask one question at a time. Uh, so. How do you guys introduce the idea of having food at the table if you are not the host house? 
Hmm. Um, go ahead, Lawrence. Well, it's like, hey, do you want to order pizza? Do you want to go <laughs> grab something? It can't be too messy. Um, can't take up too much space on the table kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's like, you guys want to get Chinese, some takeout, some pizza? Um, or do we drop into the store and grab chicken nuggets? <laughs> you know, <laughs> something easy. That can sit on the table, but yeah, it's usually, hey, do you guys want to go halvesies on a pizza or something? Okay, so you're <laughs> you're bringing whole food. You're a, you're a meal at the table kind of guy. I got you. I got you. Okay. What about you, Aaron? How do you introduce food to the table? So, so in my social group, like I'm again, I'm the food guy. Like I'm usually like I, I host Thanksgiving dinner. I host Christmas dinner. I do all that stuff. So when I'm DMing and my players come over, I feed them. Like I always have dinner made. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we introduce it? Um, I don't know. Like everyone just kind of knows that that's what's going to happen, I guess. Um, and then I'll, I'll usually also have like, like finger stuff at the table, but yeah, usually if there's food at the table, it's because I'm providing. Interesting. Even as a player? I, this game that we're doing, the, the showcase game, is the only time I've ever played a player. Okay. Um, so that's, ne- that's never been an issue yet. Okay. So uh, to kind of caveat on this one, right? Uh, the, the rules for my house, right, is ask before you bring the first time. Um, just to make sure that there's no one that's allergic to stuff. You know, it's something we set up in the session zero. If there's anyone who's like super upset about people eating chips while they play or something like that, you know, we get that out of the way. Though 90% of the time when we do stuff at my house, they're snacky foods because we're playing for four hours and generally that hits one or two meals that are, you know, dinner and, uh, fourth meal from Taco Bell later. Uh, so we generally just do snacks instead to kind of just have stuff the entire time. Uh, and when I'm at someone's house, that I follow the same rule. You know what I mean? I don't bring anything until I ask the host if it's okay or if they have something that they like. And generally, I bring what they like. Yeah. Uh, that, that As a host, that would be nice if people asked me first. You can, just as a, as a note for GMing and hosting, um, which was going to be my next, next segue here, you can always uh, request that. You know what I mean? Just put that as a house rule at the beginning. You know what I mean? Because uh, if you bring up food, this is going to the second part. If you bring up food as a host, you're gonna get food. You know what I mean for the for the most part, except for like for me, that is a, a paid DM that's getting paid money to go to people's houses to do stuff and things. Uh, if your friends are not feeding you and you're doing all this work, you need to have a conversation with them. Not that they have to, but you know most people are happy to be like, oh, I'll grab chips or soda or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, bribe the DM. Always bribe the GM. That's a, that's a that's a solid house rule as a host. See, I'm always bribe. I have to bribe to get players, so mm. that's why. Because mm. I'm like, right, I will feed you. Come play. Let's let's do it. I see how it is. All right. Um. So, jumping to the uh, digital side of things, right? Because you can still bring food to the table even when you're playing over the computer. I'm scratching at my door. Um. And it can be just as uh, important to ask the questions of what's okay to eat and what's not. Again, I bring up chips because that is the most common culprit. You know, when we're all wearing headphones and just munching away, not thinking about it. 
in the background while you're trying to roll dice or trying to do dialogue is literally the most annoying thing in the world. Now, you can obviously ask people to just mute while they enjoy their food so they're not, you know, being loud. But sometimes you just forget it's it's, it's not there. Uh, and as a person running the game, right, uh, it will always fall to your responsibility to be like, hey, stop that. Politely, <laughs> tactfully, nicely. You know what I mean? Um, because most of the time it is just a mistake and they weren't trying to do it. Like, you know, simple reminder. Uh, everyone's like, hey, make sure when you're opening that bag of chips, like, mute yourself. Because uh, I want to hear the ruffles from 40 miles away. Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's a good way to open up dialogue. Have you guys had, again, Iron, this probably won't apply to you since, uh, I don't, well, you, you've done plenty of online games. How do you guys broach that subject? Has it ever come up in your guys' games? How How do you deal with it? Um, not necessarily, I haven't ran anything online, but, um, this may apply when you're in a group chat for say Xbox or something mm-hmm. and the, the chip thing, it's definitely the chip thing or, um, something similar with a lot of crunch or, uh, like, a plastic baggy container or whatever. I, I had a friend who's notorious about it. He did not take his headset off and he's just munching away on the chips and <sighs> between all the, let's just say Call of Duty, for example, everyone firing everywhere and him munching on the chips. It was, it was a little bit straining. <laughs> understand that. Makes total sense to me. <laughs> Jumping over to Iron. Iron, what about you? Um, that's actually not something I'd considered before, but that makes complete sense. Um, I don't do like besides this, I don't actually do a whole lot of online gaming. But now I'm like I'm thinking back to our sessions, and I'm like, I eat at the table a lot, and I don't mute, and I'm I'm hoping now that I never bothered anyone. <laughs> well, like I said, it's been my responsibility to yell at you guys over stuff, and I don't really remember it being an issue, so. You, uh, you okay. as a as a note for you as a, a player, you mute yourself quite a bit uh, just because of the kiddos and wife in the background. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I usually go for, like, the sour worms or the gummy bears and an energy drink uh, for the yeah. online. Yep. Soft, <laughs> soft foods are generally a good choice unless you got one of those mouth eaters. <laughs> you can hear them swoosh. That's worse than chips, in my opinion. If I can hear you slurping on things, like... Chips are annoying, but, like, listening to someone smack away is just gross. (laughs) All right, so, one final question for this topic. Uh, Either online or in person, is there any foods that you guys don't allow? And I'll give you my little little list. Host, you guys. Oh, hey. Hey, we got another bot, yo. Oh, man. We got... You're getting pinned there, friend. Boop. Oh, boy. Let's go. Um, I would say things that could easily make a mess, like, I don't know, a big thing of soup or um, uh, anything that could potentially get all over the dice and the paper and Things like that. Um, 
I don't have any foods that I've outright banned, but I do, like, if I have someone coming over to my house for dinner that's new, I always ask if people have, like, dietary restrictions, so if someone were, like, really allergic to something, that would probably get banned, but besides that, I don't I don't think there's anything I haven't allowed. Okay. So, I have three things that I don't allow at the tables. Um, when we play and do things, and soup is a hundred percent one of them. Uh, only because personally at my house, uh, I have dogs, and my dogs don't give two flying f's about uh anything. Uh, they will just bump to the table and throw the miniatures everywhere. And if you happen to have soup or chili or anything that's in a bowl, it will go everywhere. If you're lucky, it doesn't hit your character sheet, but then gets all over my floor. Um, so if I am serving soup. Let's say it's Lent or something. Uh, and it's, you know, one of those days where we're, we're not supposed to be eating meat, so we have soup instead. Uh, you go eat at the table and not at the gaming table. Because, <laughs> you know, at, at my house when I host stuff, I do do food every once in a while, especially if it's a regular group. Um, But, yeah, so soup, number one. Don't allow it. Uh, second one is coffee, um, which seems silly, right? But it has the same issue. Uh, that soup has. Uh, and generally when people have coffee at D&D games, it's like Starbucks or something like that. So it's also like that super sugary stuff and just, again, just gets everywhere. Like almost every single time. It's happened enough to where it's like, nope, don't, no coffee. I also suggest uh, for online games that you don't have any open cups while you're playing. Um, I know that seems like silly yada yada, uh, but it's 100% a thing. I mean, uh, I'd say coffee, but really it's anything with an open top. Um, or a very wide hole for sticking straws in and whatnot. Um, close bottle, forget that. Drink water. Um, and then the last thing, uh, was, oh, what was it? Um, I know I had three. I'll remember it eventually. It's kind of funny you say that, though. The first game I hosted, I served chicken corn chowder and bread bowls. Pop rocks. And every every time we play, I have open container beverages. So I'm breaking your rules. Oh no, how dare you. Uh, <laughs> Pop rocks was the other one. And I remember this only because it is distracting AF for whatever reasons. We've I had players come over and it just ruined the session. Like you wouldn't think it would, but they were just like every ten minutes they <laughs> the whole time. Huh. Uh, and that's more of a more of a online thing. You know what I mean? Then a uh, uh, in person, but even in person, I, I assume it would be annoying. Uh, but yeah, pop rocks are a no go, especially if you're using a mic. Like, I don't know who thought it was a good idea to do those, but uh, it was not. So, uh, jumping on to uh, the next bit of our segment here, which is tech. Um, so kind of a weird segue here. Um, but we're jumping over to adding tech into your games and kind of along the same lines as adding food into your games, uh, adding tech to games that don't necessarily have tech built into them, uh, can add an interesting narrative, uh, jump, right? And there's a couple ways to do this. Um, at least that we found, uh, for personal character stuff, adding it to world is relatively easy, but if you're like the only character in the world with a legitimate revolver for some reason, because it's in your backstory and your GM has allowed it, um, 
having a reason to explain how you get your bullets all the time is going to be important. Uh, and sometimes yada yada magic just doesn't make a lot of sense. <coughs> so having some sort of technology. Uh, on Jake, secret for you guys here, uh, we use the fact that Jake is a really old world and it's been visited by people that are were much more technologically advanced than the current residents. Uh, and so there are ancient temples and things like that that have high-tier tech kind of stashed away. Uh, if we ever want to kind of jump into a different setting uh, and kind of kickstart that uh, sci-fi stuff. Um, that would be awesome. Yeah, you know, in all honesty, though, uh, I'd probably just rather change system. I've done that before as a DM uh, just to test it out and made, had to make all kinds of silly rules for space-based stuff. Uh, that wasn't, um, sorry, I'm trying to think of the name. Spelljammer. Uh, that wasn't Spelljammer content. I just, I just homebrewed everything from, from the ground up, uh, basically. And it was a lot of work. Oof. Those things are still technically in Jake. Um, but I don't know if you guys will ever find them because I have hidden them in deep, dark quarters. Uh, which I can direct you away from at any point. That's great. Uh, well, now I know it's there. Now you know it's there. That's, that's player knowledge. Wah, ha, ha, ha. Um, <laughs> so, uh, adding it is an easy way. You know, old old civilizations, new visiting civilization, civilizations is another way to do it, where if you're playing in a actual universe that isn't just a singular map, you know, they have stars and things like that, you can have aliens show up, and sometimes those aliens could just be elves, space elves. Whatever. Um, some TTRPGs do not do well when you introduce technology. There are very few uh, that are moldable enough to where you breaking the setting like that won't completely derail your game. So I do not suggest it for those kind of games. So if you're playing like Mork Bork or uh, a couple of those very, very heavy, dark fantasy style games, don't introduce tech. You can. Uh, but I wouldn't. Now, for your D&Ds and Pathfinders and stuff like that, adding tech actually can be kind of fun. Because <clears throat> uh, you can do it where it is basically equivalent to magic in its technology level. It's all The other way to add tech is also basically to explain it as magic. Your uh, flame spells and things like that are literally just like a flamethrower that's small enough to fit in your wand. Um, things like that. <clears throat> you know, your spell slots are actual energy that is being consumed every time you cast. And your little generator needs to, you know, take a 12-hour rest before it recharges fully. Uh, things like that. Um, and that's an easy way to introduce tech into a usually fantasy setting. Uh, you know, changing monsters into mechanical beast. Easy-er, for the most part. You know, you can always have a mechanical dragon that isn't necessarily a clockwork one. Uh, that does the exact same thing as... A natural style dragon. Uh, heck, dragon could just be the name of a quote unquote spaceship that flies around. You know, all the all the attacks and things are just you know the, the weapons it has on board. Um, and that, again, there's there's ways around that to do that well. Um, also, transitioning so pan Pathfinder to Starfinder transition, uh, going from fantasy to space is actually relatively easy because uh, this system doesn't change too much. Um, and they have legacy races, uh, so you can kind of take your the races that aren't normally in uh, Starfinder and put them in Pathfinder or vice versa. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Just just as a just as a note, a side thought. 
Um, let's see what else we got. Yeah, so uh, jumping to question times, starting with Iron this time. Iron, uh, what would be a fun way that you can think of to introduce a singular type of tech? So like new weapons, new vehicles, stuff like that. Where where would you introduce and what kind of stuff would you introduce to a world you were running? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> a singular type of tech. Uh, I have not played with tech. Um, I've I've literally only played like traditional D and D. Um, so tech is kind of a new thing to me. But if were I to introduce a particular kind of tech, I think transportation would be interesting because you could. First of all, I, there are some parties that just don't really like the whole like, oh, okay, roll, see how many days you get, get in combat, and like that kind of system. So maybe adding vehicles or maybe some kind of teleportation tech, and then you can roll to see if you know it goes off without a hitch or like something goes wrong and you get sent somewhere random. That might be kind of cool. I agree. All right, Lawrence, what about you? Singular tech, and how would you introduce it? Oh, um, I've always wanted to, like, I don't know, just, like, as a random event unrelated to the story whatsoever, have, like, a spaceship crash and be utterly destroyed, but leave a few plasma rifles around with a few clips, just kind of. Or um, on the low-tech scale... Um, I have discussed with one of my players, if we ever play again in the next um, campaign, that he would be the guy who invented like um, like black powder uh, pistols and then eventually the rifles and stuff, but he would have to like do the checks and take the time and all that. And then um, it would either grow from there or die with him. Okay, so I'm, I'm actually going to caveat on that one because that was another fantastic way to do it is let your players be the originators of some sort of tech. Now, you talked about guns. So that's generally the easiest one, especially because like in D&D, &D, they now have the gunslinger. Uh, and it's kind of just a natural progression to get better guns because, you know, flintlocks can feel underpowered. Uh, blunderbusses, all that fun stuff just might not feel like they're doing it for you. Um, but... Uh, letting your characters be the quote-unquote originator, or the group knows an inventor, right? If they're, none of them are, like, smart enough to be, I'm going to build a thing out of metal uh, that fires the bullets. Uh, but they might have a gnomish friend or a human who's been experimenting with gunpowder for the last 10 years, you know, whatever. Uh, adding it that way is also a fun way to narratively introduce it into your game to have it make sense and not just be like, Ha-ha! Random thing fell from the sky! Also, random thing fell from the sky is the last trope that you can use. Uh, and it's kind of just a move the story forward style, but you can definitely still use it and it be fun and exciting. Um, so, you guys talk about singular tech you would add. You got a couple ways to do it. Uh, now on to our final bit, right? And this is adding technology to your table. So not only uh, do we, as a, as a company, right, we use our technology by playing online and introducing people to the communication systems we have, uh, so on and so forth. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that you can add to your gaming uh, that is technically introducing tech, right? So biggest example, 
that we can give is Discord, right? Discord's a fantastic communication uh, app that allows you to talk and communicate and have group chats and do 4 billion things that makes talking and chatting much easier than it would be in any other circumstance. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but if we uh, also look back at the other things that you can use, you can uh, use tech as spell books on your phone. Uh, dice apps also on your phone. Um, adding music to the background. There's plenty of apps that do uh, background music now that's free or royalties free or whatever that you can use uh, for both streaming and for just playing at your uh, place. One of the ones that we've been using more often now uh, has been the voice mods to uh, augment my voice because, you know, I only have so much of a range. Um, and I think robot voices are funny. Uh, <laughs> so the demon was pretty good last time. It was, I, I, I think uh, most of the time it, it goes off pretty well, but I digress. Uh, those are, those are all forms of tech that you can use. Um, but I also can tell you that there are other tech, tech types that aren't necessarily, uh, electronic based tech, right? Uh, having a, uh, overlays that can fit over any kind of map is an interesting sort of tech. We use it for our our, uh, our Lancer stuff because all of our maps are square hex or squares, and the stuff that uh, Lancer uses is a hex based system. You can use squares, but you know, hex has been what we've been using as a group. Um, dice towers. Uh, I, if you really want to throw dice towers in there, or or self plug here, you could get fancy fancy dice that glow when you roll them. That's technology. Mm -hmm. We sell that. You can have that today. Go to the store. Actually, I take that back. Don't go to the store. See us at Comic Con in a couple weeks because I don't think we've added the electronic dice to our uh, store yet. You get Comic Con. It's a it's a secret code. You get another secret code to get the, the electric dice. Um. I actually have a set of those, and they are nice. They, they, they do be nice. So, uh, to the question part of this, is there any external tech that you guys would recommend um, or that you could see that would be helpful for you in the future, either in person or online, um, starting with Lawrence this time? Oh, uh, analog, having a tablet on hand. There are some... Uh, apps where you can let's say you just draw up a map on a different uh program and you've got the file as like a jpeg or whatever mm -hmm. and you can uh transfer it over onto these grid map style um apps and it'll lay it on the bottom layer underneath this like squared off grid and some of them actually have pieces that you can put on the grid so say you needed a, a like a more of a real time map for um, your analog style game on the table, or you could see where you were moving across the map. Um, it's pretty useful. Um, I I tried some free ones out and they didn't seem too great, but I had seen some that were pretty cool. Never had a chance to use them. <laughs> Fortunate to say the least. Iron, what about you? Um. Yeah, I'm not a super high tech boy but i so something i like to do when i dm is i have a like a word document and then i populate that word document with uh links to like youtube videos and stuff of like 
you know, battle sounds and ambient sounds and monster sounds. And, um, you know, that's easy for, that's an easy low tech way to keep track of that stuff. But apps like my party, they have to have apps. They don't do, there's no paper at my table because <laughs> they're just incapable of using it for stuff. Cause you guys drink your cups without container lids. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of anything really cool. That I do. So I just for just for giggles um, for this last campaign, I actually I don't know if you can consider this tech, but I part one of the quests, like one of the main quests in, included a, a, a riddle trail. And so I thought for fun, it'd be cool. Like I bought parchment paper and then I printed out in like a big calligraphy type handwriting on the parchment paper, the riddles. And then I, I artificially aged the paper. So that it kind of brought like some like authentic like stuff from the world to the table. Sometimes that's pretty cool. So a hundred percent, depending on you know how you how you made it right. Uh, but getting stuff from the outside and bringing it in, uh, totally totally a, a use because you had to use something to to make the stuff. Um, oh know. yeah, I mean you. I mean for I had to print it, so I had to have a printer and then. To age it, like you kind of like brush it with coffee and then you bake it in the oven. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of speaking of printers, three D printers and modeling uh, is a great tool that oh, we picked up, which is really fun to make stuff, whether it's terrain or miniatures or things like that. Uh, having the ability to print basically whatever I need for the most part uh, is pretty cool. Uh, they're expensive and not necessarily easy to learn how to use. Uh, I, d- I definitely had quite a few fails before I finally figured stuff out. Um, but oh, now I got it pretty much down packed. It's good. So um, with all that being said, uh, I think I think I think we covered this pretty well uh, for the odd topic that it is of both adding food and tech to the table and to the game itself. Um, thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate you. Um, do you guys have any last minute thoughts or ideas uh, before I do my quick pitch for what we're doing next week slash the internet code for the month and all that fun stuff? I will say if you do plan on printing stuff out and like kind of doing what I talked about, um, I did that for an entire textbook for the history of the world <laughs> and the players weren't thrilled. So don't do that. Like. <laughs> I feel yeah. I made a funny looking document for all those uh, siblings of Profi for our campaign, and I don't think any of you have read it. No. See, <laughs> see, ah, the truth comes out. Uh... <laughs> all right. So, uh, code for this month is love nine zero seven. I know we're super original on the name. Uh, capital L, lowercase everything else. It'll get you ten percent off on the website on most of our items. Um, I say most because it does exclude uh, the uh, merch merch that we get through Printful because we, we can't discount their stuff. Um, let's see. That's that's really it. Uh, we got uh, Lancer and D&D this coming week. Lancer is on Thursday. D&D is on Wednesday. Um, and it's pretty much business as usual. Uh, Valentine's Day is coming up. We might be doing a Valentine's sale, but as of now, we haven't decided to do one. Uh, we will be going to Comic-Con at the end of this month on the 25th up here in Alaska. So if you're up here or around here, come check us out. Come say hi. 
We'll have a little booth. I will also be there. <laughs> for, for sure. See? To meet, to meet celebrities in person. It'll be great. All right. <laughs> With adventure in mind, I hope you all have a wonderful time. Bye. All right, that's tonight's podcast. I hope you guys all have a wonderful couple of weeks. We'll see you then. And uh, keep it a trip with Adventure in Mind. Have a wonderful time.